Welcome to the Antioch Austin podcast. Wherever you're listening from, we hope this message encourages you. For more information about Antioch Austin, please check our website at antiochatx.com. Now here's Pastor J.D. Griffin. We've got some special guests in the building. And, um, you know, every once in a while you get to meet a hero. Uh, even more rare than that, you get to know one of your heroes. And for me, that has been Ron and Janine Parrish. Could you guys actually come up here? You don't know we're going to do this, but come on up here, man. Yeah, show them how you can move, bro. If you don't know who these guys are, uh, they actually founded Hope in the City, which is now our South Campus. Uh, and it's, it's an honor for us to have them here on Easter Sunday. When I found out that they were going to be here on Easter, I thought, man, it's perfect. Uh, so cool. But we couldn't let you guys be here and not pull you into something that we do around here. So over the past couple of weeks, we have awarded people hammies, right? Now, a hammy, also known as a golden hammer, goes to someone who has gone above and beyond and seeking God use them to build this house. And so we, thought, I mean, we were like, how in the world can Ron and Janine be here and, and, not, and not get a golden hammer? But at the same time, we were like, a golden hammer is not really justice for what they have done for us. So we thought, we're going to give them the equivalent of getting into the Hall of Fame. We're going to give them a golden sledgehammer. So here it comes. Your golden thing. We don't know how you're going to get that home. Because they, they actually live in Southeast Asia. And, and so we don't know how you're going to get that home. But we want you to know we love you. We honor you. We hammer you. Thank you. Come on, isn't that fun? <laughs> Love it. If you've got a Bible, uh, I want you to jump with me to Exodus chapter 2. Exodus chapter 2. Uh, the title of my message this Easter morning uh, is It's Not Over. It's Not Over. Let me just pray for us. God, we just invite your presence here. We ask that you would open up the Bible to us, God. Let us hear the words and let them change our lives. God, we believe it's living and active, and so let your will be done in this service, God, as it is in heaven. And everybody said, January 31st, 1993, if you're a Dallas Cowboys fan, you would know this date to be the beginning of the Cowboys' dominance in the 90s. This is Super Bowl 27. This is when they put a whoop on the Buffalo Bills. In the middle of this game... There was a career-marking play performed by a young defensive lineman by the name of Leon Lett. Leon Lett had the opportunity of a lifetime. One of his teammates rushed the quarterback, 
right as he was getting ready to pass the ball, knocks the ball from his hands. Leon just happens to be in the right place at the right time, and he looks down, and the football in the Super Bowl is at his feet, just saying, pick me up, bro. This is the lifetime dream of any big man that has ever played the game. You're going to get to run the football, and it's the Super Bowl, and there's nobody around you. So Leon Lett grabs the football and starts running. Now, I actually watched a video clip of this this week. The homie was quick. He's a big dude, but he was fast. And so he is leaving even the people that were near him. He is absolutely leaving them in the dust. He gets to about the 10-yard line and starts to celebrate a little too early. So he opens up his hands. He starts doing the big man high step, you know, which is a little bit. And one of the Buffalo Bills comes charging behind him. And before he crosses the goal line, swats the football. The football rolls out the back of the end zone. So instead of the Dallas Cowboys getting a touchdown, instead of Leon Lett being marked as the big man that picks up a fumble and scores a touchdown in the Super Bowl, the Buffalo Bills got a first down. When you think it's over, before it's over, you miss what's coming. When you think it's over, before it's over, you miss what's coming. In Exodus 2, our passage this morning is the story, it's the beginning of the story of Moses. Moses would grow up to be a mountain of a man in the Christian faith. He would grow up to be known as a deliverer. He would grow up to be used mightily by God. Many miracles were performed through Moses. He, was, he became a mountain of a man. But here in Exodus 2, he's a child. He's just a little boy. He's been chosen... God picked him, who he was to become was in him, but it wasn't ready to come out of him. You see that there's this thing that God does as he births things, then he matures things, then he releases things. Am I talking to anybody this morning? In Exodus chapter 2, God chose Moses, your Bible probably actually says that over the top of the chapter. It says that God chose Moses. There was greatness in him, but he, but he was just a child. It hadn't come out of him yet. It, it, it was just in him. Now, now, some of us know that you got to go through some stuff. you got to walk through some stuff before you can do some stuff. Oh, just, just a couple of people going to be honest. You brought your mama to church. You're trying to act like you got it all together. You put on a nice shirt. No, some of us know you got to go through some stuff to be able to do some stuff. It's called, it's called maturity. That, that's what it's called. It, it's called maturing, right? Like, and, and as you grow older, 
you become well aware of some things that you would not do again. Like if I, if I knew what I know now, I probably would have stayed away from what I did when I was younger, right? Paul in, in 1 Corinthians 13 says it this way. When I was a child, I, I talked like a child. I, I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. But, but when I became a man... I put the childhood behind me. I put the ways of childhood behind me. As you get older, this process gets clear, right? I mean, you see somebody acting foolish. It used to annoy you. Now you get compassionate because you're like, honey, I know how this ends. Like, <laughs> you need to reconsider, right? Because you've matured a little bit. You put the ways of childhood behind you, and as you get older, this process of maturity gets a little bit clear. But let me just make something clear for us this morning is that as you're maturing, it's sometimes hard to see what you're becoming. As you're maturing, it's oftentimes hard to see what you're Becoming, because as you mature, we, we learn and we grow in our ability to see. And as you mature, you learn that although I can only see thus far, my experience is telling me that I'm going to be okay. When you're immature, you see the Lego block of your life and you begin to panic. And you think, this is it, this is all I got. But when you're mature, you begin to realize that Lego block is a piece of the picture that God is putting together. Because it's hard to see what you're becoming when you are maturing. And it's important for us to understand that when Moses was born, Pharaoh, the leader of the Egyptians, who the Hebrews found themselves enslaved to, became nervous about the strength of the Israelites. You see, Moses was born into a time of hostility. It would have been a combative, violent time. When Moses was born... Pharaoh was beginning to see that, that although I'm trying to oppress these people, there seems to be something else that's strengthening these people. Although I'm trying to break them, there seems to be a strength that's coming from within them. You see, when God chooses you, it doesn't matter what the devil throws at you. Let me try this side. When, when God... When God chooses you, it doesn't matter what the devil throws at you. You see, Pharaoh was trying to literally break the back of the Hebrews. He tried to give them more work. Let's see if that'll slow them down. No, because there was something that was sustaining them. It's called favor. When God chooses you, he will sustain you. And it doesn't matter what comes at you, on you, or is thrown to you. You will be able to do exactly what God has called you to. Because there is a strength that comes in the favor of God. When God chooses you, you will make it through. But our immaturity will try to trick us into panicking in the middle of the process 
and miss out on what's coming. You see, Pharaoh is trying to squish the Hebrews out to the extent that he said that any boy that was born, I want them to be killed at birth. That this was the environment that Moses was brought into. That this is the first of very, of a lot of it must be over moments for Moses. How is he going to make it out of this? Like, how is he, how is he going to survive? There's a whole kingdom committed to seeing little boys murdered that are born. How, it must be over for Moses before it even starts for Moses. But God chose Moses. And when God chooses you, he'll sustain you. It might feel like it's over, but it's not over. Exodus 2 says that when she, Moses' mother, saw that he, Moses, was a fine child, she hid him for three months. She hid him. This is, this is important for us to lean into this morning because I think it's good for us to hear that sometimes hiddenness is actually for our protection. Sometimes we feel like we're being hidden and culture will tell us that hiddenness equals weakness. Look, just because you have a voice doesn't mean we need to hear what you have to say. Was that too tough? I'm sorry. I want to behave myself. It's Easter. Sometimes we try to force our way into being seen because we misinterpret hiddenness. We, we, we see hiddenness as weakness but according to Exodus 2, hiddenness is for our protection. That, that Moses' mother hid him to protect him. She was aware her maturity allowed her to see that there was hostility outside of the hiddenness that Moses in his mature state as a baby would not have been able to handle. You see, hiddenness is not weakness. Hiddenness is actually protection. We, we like to, to be seen, and sometimes we feel like we're, we're fighting against. It's like nobody sees me at work. Nobody sees me at church. No, nobody, nobody sees what I have to offer. Nobody sees what I want to bring. Maybe you're being hidden for your protection. Because hiddenness equals protection. Moses' story goes on in Exodus 2, but when she could hide him no longer, she got a papyrus basket for him and coated it with tar and pitch. And then she placed the child in it among the reeds along the back of the Nile. Now this would definitely be moment two of it must be over for Moses. Okay, for a lot of reasons. One, Children cannot swim. This was before water babies was a thing. Okay? Two, the Nile was full of alligators or crocodiles. Tate, which, one of the two. Crocodiles. You pick. Choose your own adventure story. There were snakes in it. There, 
It was a hostile environment. The Nile River would have been just as hostile for an unprotected Moses as when he was born. You, you look at that, you, it must be over now. The, the, how was he to survive this? But it was a papyrus basket. You see, Moses wasn't put into the river. He was put in a basket. It was a papyrus was actually used as a repellent for alligators or crocodiles, whichever adventure you're taking right now. <laughs> they, they wouldn't come close to it. They, they wouldn't get around it. It was then covered in tar. And so it was water tight. Moses would have looked up in his understanding of his situation because his maturity was those of a child and he would have said my mother is abandoning me no no no. she wasn't abandoning you Moses she was positioning you because here you go Moses the deliverer put into a vessel of deliverance basket is also the word for ark the same word that was used when Noah built the ark that saved his family from devastation when God flooded the earth he he was not abandoned he was positioned here you have Moses, the soon-to-be deliverer, put in a vessel of deliverance. Look at your neighbor and say, it's not over. It, it might feel like it's over, but it's not over. Moses' story shows us that sometimes in the process of maturity, we can be deceived by our situations to think, We'll never make it out of this one. We'll, we'll, we're too far gone after that. Too messed up after this. Too broken because of that. It's not over. It might feel like it's over. But it's not over. It wasn't over for Moses after he was adopted into Pharaoh's house. And it's amazing that he thought that he was abandoned, but he was positioned for adoption. He, he was taken into a palace. He was raised as one of Pharaoh's own kids. He got all the learning and education and skills of any prince at that time. He was groomed to be a leader. Sometimes when you're in the process of maturing, it's hard to see what you're becoming. Because there was a stirring that was happening in Moses as well as not only was he taking in all of this amazing information and, and living in a palace. He was seeing how the Hebrews were being treated and he couldn't take it. And there was one event where Moses, the deliverer, took matters into his own hands. He, he saw a, a, a Egyptian beating a Hebrew slave. He couldn't, he couldn't take it. So he, he rushed into the middle of it, and, and in his rage, he killed him. He, he killed this Egyptian... And then he buried him in the sand, tried to hide it, tried to cover it up. 
And then all of a sudden, he finds himself rejected, not just by the family that raised him. No, rejected by the family that he shared blood with. You see, he tries to break up a fight with some Hebrews, and they're like, what, what are you going to murder us like you murdered that guard? You ever felt like you messed everything up? You feel like you got your destiny on lock. This is what I, Moses began to dial in. I'm to be a part of seeing people who are oppressed set free. But he took matters into his own hands and it got messy. He tried to be the deliverer versus the vessel of deliverance and it got bloody. Sometimes we engage in our destiny prematurely and it gets messy. The shadows of things you're created for, but you do it in your own strength and it gets bloody. There's carnage. There's brokenness because what is in you will come out of you when God's ready to release you. Because God bursts things, then he matures things, then he releases things. Moses trying to satisfy the things he was identifying in his own heart, that he was a deliverer, one who was to set the oppressed free, took matters into his own hand. This surely was its, it must be over now. Now he's running for his life. He, he's hiding in the desert. He picks up a side hustle of being a shepherd. He don't know nothing about being no shepherd. He's a rich kid from Westlake. don't know nothing about being no shepherd but he's just trying he he had conceded it's over it, it, must, it must be over now it, I, I messed it up too far it must be over I, I can't I can't make my way back now the people that I lived with hate me those I'm called to deliver hate me I, I messed it up too far it's not over it wasn't over for Moses because God came into the desert and initiated a conversation with Moses and said, I pick you. In the middle of your messiness, in the middle of your brokenness, with the blood still on your fingers for what you did, I pick you. And I'm here with you. I didn't leave you. I pick you. You see, it felt like it was over, but it wasn't over. It felt like Moses had gone too far, but, but it wasn't over. I think some of us relate to Moses' story because there's aspects of our lives where it's like, yo, that's messy. I'm burying that one. I'm going to try to forget that one. I'm going to run away from that one. It, it, it's too, my relationship with my spouse too broken to come back. My relationship with my kids too complex to try to figure out. I've messed it up. I own that I've messed it up, but I, it's over. I hate that it's over, but it feels like it's over. My addiction, it's too strong. I can't say no to the urges. I can't turn off the computer. It's over. It's over for me. I can't. I can't. Listen to me. It's not over. It's not over because just like God came to Moses in the desert, Jesus came to you in a manger. Jesus came to you in a manger and initiated the same conversation that God initiated with Moses. I pick you. I choose you. 
John 3.16 says that God so loved the world that he gave his only son so that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Jesus came into our mess to not point it out and say, it's over. Not to condemn us, but to save us. To say, I picked you. With the blood still on your fingers, I picked you. With the complexity of your past, I picked you. All the messes that you made with everything that I gave you, I picked you. All the brokenness in his hands, I picked you. You see, this morning we celebrate that the tomb is empty. That Jesus came, lived a perfect life, died on the cross for our sins, but did not stay dead. He conquered sin and death so that each and every one of us could hear the conversation that Moses heard. I pick you. I choose you. It's not over. You might feel like it's over, but it's not over. You might look at your circumstances and say, it must be over. It's not. Right now, you might be picturing how broken and screwed up your life is. And you're like, Pastor, if you only knew, if you only knew what I was messed up in, then you would agree it's over. It's not over. You see, you, you might feel like you were abandoned. But you were actually being positioned. You were being positioned for adoption, to to enter into the family of God, that your life would be bought with a price. It's not over. It might feel like it's over, but it's not over. You weren't abandoned. You were positioned. You might feel like you're hidden right now. You're not hidden. You're being protected because there's a Father in heaven that bursts things and matures things and releases things, and he understands what we don't know, that there's some hostility that we might not be ready to endure, and so he is going to protect us. You're not hidden. You're protected. You might feel like you're broken and rejected. And Jesus is looking at you and saying, no, you're not. You're chosen. You're perfect. Because God never looked at Moses through the lens of what he had messed up. God always looked at Moses through the lens of what he could become. God looks at you the same. He doesn't look at you and see everything you've done wrong. He looks at you and sees everything he created you to do right. Because the blood of Jesus covers a multitude of sins. We're washed clean. He no longer sees us through the lens of our depravity. He sees us through the lens of grace. Although our sin separates us from God, Jesus came and made a way for us to enter the throne room of grace with confidence. That we can step in and say, it feels like it's over, but it's not over. Feels like I'm, it feels like I screwed up too far, but you can come back. Feels like you're too broken, you can be healed. Feels like you're too alone, he's with you. You see, it's not over. 
It's not over. Might feel like it's over, but it's not over. I just want to tell you this morning that Moses became all that God said that he was going to become. The beginning of his story in Exodus 2, all of the greatness that he was to become was in him. God chose him in Exodus 2 at his birth. There's greatness in you right now. You might feel like it's over, but God looked at you, and if you put greatness on you, and it doesn't matter what aspect of your story you're in right now, it's not over because the greatness that's in you will come out of you. That's an amen. That's where you amen. If you're wondering, if you're new to church, that's when you amen. If you have a hanky, that's a great spot to like shout it down, a couple waivers in the house. There we go. Some of you have resolved in your soul that it's over. You're like, I'm going to come to church on Easter. I'm going to show up. I'm going to even maybe be involved in a small group. But the truth is, I'm jacked up inside. It's over for me. I'm going to run the motions. I'm going to be where I need to be. I'm going to check all the boxes. But it's over. It's like, I, it's, I'm too messed up. I'm too screwed up. It's not over. It's not over for you. It's not over for you. It's beginning for you. Because Jesus made a way for you right now, this morning, to enter into the throne room of grace with confidence. It's not over. It might feel like it's over, but it's not over. Can you stand to your feet? Because I want to pray for us this morning. I want to pray that the God of heaven, the same power that rose Jesus from the grave, The same power that sustained Moses when he had multiple areas in his life where he would have thought it's over, it's too far gone, I can't make it happen, it's too messed up. I want to pray that that God, the God of heaven, would come and begin to touch you and you have the moment that Moses had where you can hear him and see him say, I choose you, I pick you. I see everything that's still wrong with you. Yeah, we're going to deal with that. We're going to bring freedom and healing and forgiveness and restoration. But you need to know right now, I pick you. I choose you. I'm going to clean up the mess that you created. I'm going to clean up the stuff that you broke. But I still pick you. And my love for you, Jesus says, is not relegated to your behavior. It's relegated to mine. Jesus has come. invite you. We invite you to come right now in Jesus' name.